The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, Claire Bowes was shopping with her friends in Oma on the 15th of August 1988 when a devastating explosion left her blind. 29 people lost their lives on that day in what would turn out to be an attack by the so-called Real IRA. Claire was just 15 years old at the time. Since then, she's gone on to graduate from both a primary degree and a master's. She's opened her own successful music business and she's raising a family. Claire puts her achievements down to a philosophy she's followed since the OMA bomb, live life with no regrets. And owner and director of OMA Music Academy, Claire Bowes, good morning and welcome to the programme. Good morning and thank you for having me. Now, um, I, I don't want to revisit OMA and the bomb, um, you know, too too much in detail. I do remember myself the day it happened, how horrified we were and covered it many, many times since. Um you have put it, in a sense, you've parked it somewhere in the back of your mind, but the experience has defined what you are today. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I suppose to an extent I have um, had to sort of deal with it. Um, reality is it's always part of my life because that's the day I lost my sight. Um, and, you know, so it, it has had a huge impact on my life, but for me to continue living my life, I've had to deal with what has happened and, as you say, kind of park it um, so that I can just get on with my life as, as well as possible. Now, going back to the day before or even that day itself on the 15th of August, uh, before you went into OMA to do a bit of shopping with your pals, can you describe the girl you were then? Um, Probably like most 15-year-olds was very carefree. I was always a worrier, to be honest, um, but would have kept that to myself when the outward sort of the rest of the world wouldn't have realised, I suppose, how, how much I worried about things and things like that. But yeah, pretty much happy-go-lucky, carefree teenager, mm. just enjoying life and mm. doing all the usual things teenagers do. Like we'd been to a teenage disco the night before and a friend had stayed over and, you know, so there was all the kind of hype and excitement of the yeah. gossip around that. And yeah, so just, you know, I went to school. I was the oldest or I am the oldest at home of, you know, there's five of us. And um, yeah, so just pretty average life. Now, you say you're a worrier. Did you have any concerns, though, as a 15 year old uh, with your pals going in to do a bit of shopping? Did nope. Did you have any worries on that day? Not at all. No, um, not at the time. Um, until the, the police cordoned off the town. And I, well, like everybody else, we thought we were being taken to safety. And, you know, again, in my head, I was like, mm, I just want to get out of here, but I wasn't going to show that in front of my friends, you know. Sure. Now, uh, your friends were uh, terrified, but unscathed by uh, the, the bombing. You yourself, though, were instantly blinded. Yeah, yeah. Well, some of them had, some of my friends um, had, um, injuries but thankfully nothing too serious obviously they've had the psychological impact of it but yeah I lost my sight instantly um I thought at the time it was like dust and dirt or something in my eyes um but I just straight away I wasn't able to see now the the realization that after surgery and so on there was nothing they could do and you're a schoolgirl, you know loads of plans about what you might like to do with your life uh, although they probably were not that crystallized at the age of 15 but still then you come back um, from the hospitals and you are unsighted. Yeah. The impact of that, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, um, I suppose for me at the time, I was always very aware that I was so lucky to still be alive. 
um, and that was the thing for me. Um, initially, um, there was probably a bit of denial not denial as in like obviously I had known I knew that I'd lost my sight and I would never see again but I su suppose probably a bit of denial in that I wasn't going to let this impact my life um and I just wanted things to return to normality as I knew it um there was talk at the time of me going to a specialist school for the blind to learn mm -hmm. school skills and things and I, I just wasn't keen on that I just wanted to stay at home with my family mm -hmm. and return to school with my friends um so I'd said this to my mum and um they had talks with my school that I had been attending and thankfully they agreed to take me back yeah. um and in hindsight now when you think of that like almost 26 years ago it wasn't really the norm for no. people with any kind of disability. That's right. Special school. schools were the norm. And yeah. now the norm is try mainstream schooling for, for as many as possible. Yeah, yeah. So my so, school so, were fantastic. Claire, what, what is fantastic when I, you know, if you were to just take that paragraph out of your CV about the Oma bombing. Uh, yeah. It looks like a normal CV. You went on, yeah. you got a degree, you got a master's, you started up an academy, you have a family. Um, so you did manage to do all the things yeah. that you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't let it hold me back in any way and find workarounds of how to do things. And, and it, it wasn't always easy. Um, and I am very fortunate that I have a hugely supportive family um, and was brought up with the attitude of, you know, you you can do whatever you want to do if you work hard for it and put your mind to it. Um, so that helped big time. Um, and yeah, I um, just, I suppose, was just determined that I wasn't going to mm. let it hold me back. Now, just because your CV says you've done all these things does not mean it was easy. I mean, you had to learn everything all over yes. again. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've often, you know, when the power failure in the house and sometimes I can't, even, you know, struggling to find a light switch or where it might be. Yeah. You know, you can't find it, even though you've been using it and seeing it every day yeah. of your life. Yeah. So you had to kind of reimagine everything in your yeah. head. Yeah. Um, and even like in my own home, I can manage pretty well um, as long as things are left where I know where they are. Um, and I can manage finding my way around and stuff pretty well because I'm so familiar with it. But if I was to go into someone else's house or out of familiar surroundings I need guided um, constantly because I just I don't have any, any idea of where anything is um, I do cook um, I clean I do all those things because um, we have to mm -hmm. <laughs> and I suppose again I was determined I always enjoyed cooking even before I lost my sight um, so again was determined that I wanted to still be able to enjoy all those things yeah um, your music, obviously, um, reading sheet music is part of musical education. How did you get around that? Um, I did try to learn Braille music, but just with everything else that I was learning at the time, I just couldn't take it in. Um, so basically, I was... Um, I have been learning piano before I lost my sight and reading sheet music, obviously. I still have a really good visual memory of, of what it looks like written down and what different symbols and stuff look like um so i can still recall those but basically i use like a talk music system where somebody will kind of describe a few bars at a time of what's happening um and then i i um 
will sort of try and then work on memorizing that. I have found that my ear has developed an awful lot, so I can um, pick up a lot of things by ear, but it's the finer detail mm-hmm. of more compa- complex music um, that I do need a bit of assistance with. Now, um, you did your primary degree. Um, did you have the assistance of a guide dog when you were at university? I did, yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I had tried long cane training um, at school just after I lost my sight and I just could not put my trust in a in a cane. Um, I just felt so uptight and um, everything. I just thought, no, there's no way I can cope with this. So when I was preparing to go to university, I knew I would need a guide dog um, or something to help me get mm-hmm. around more because I wasn't going to have the same support as I had at school. So I looked into that whole process and the day after I finished my A-levels, um, which are your final exams here in Northern Ireland, I um, headed off to start guide dog training with my guide dog, Benny. Um, so it meant I was fully trained with him before I started university that September. And he gave me a whole new lease of life. And again, uh, trying to cope with all of that, uh, the lectures and that, how did that work out as a, an unsighted person? Um, again, my lectures were so, so helpful, um, as were the disability services at Queen's. Um, and I had a note taker and things that, um, you know, she was able to sit and take notes during lectures and help me access library books and things. Mm-hmm. Because even then, like that was 2001 to 2004, technology was nothing like it is now. Um, so I was having to try and access textbooks on tape or um, scan them from actual physical books from the library and things. So I did need a lot of support, but um, I was very grateful to have had it and, and be able to to yeah, navigate now, a, an undergrad degree. It, it sounds like you're absolutely indomitable, but it must have been a struggle at the same time. There must have been times when there were tears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of times. <laughs> um, and the frustration of just and even still at times you know there's that frustration of how life would be so much easier if I could still see Um, Um, but I don't dwell on it. (laughs) uh, The primary degree uh, then I mean you you raise a family you're still in the process of raising uh, a family Um, I mean that that uh, I suppose was something that you might have thought might never happen for you after what happened in Oma but um, your husband you and he went back a long, long way. Yeah, I knew him beforehand. I knew him before the bomb. And it was only then afterwards we started going out. But yeah, we've been um, going out since we were 16 and 17. So quite a while. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, the the question of your kids, what do you tell them? Or, you know, do you just mention it as, you know, the way mummy and daddy might talk about something in their past lives that their, their kids think it's in the Stone Age? Um, yeah. And 1988 would be the Stone Age as far as your kids are concerned. But do you it was t- 1998. 1998, I beg your yeah. pardon. Um, okay. uh, they would think it's the Stone Age 25 years ago. Um, what What do you tell them? Well, obviously they've known from a very young age that I am blind um, and they've been very aware of that. And um, we've always been open and honest with them as much as possible. You know, So when they were younger and would have asked questions, about how I was blind because they know just from when I'm talking about things that I used to be able to see so when they were younger I just told them I'd been in an accident and then obviously as they got a bit older um, I mean they all know now that it was a bomb and um, 
what happened. And so obviously then there's that bit of protection as a parent where reassuring them that hopefully something like that will never happen again um, and that they're not at risk and things like that. But that's the reality of it. It's, it's part of their lives as well, even though Northern Ireland in many ways has moved on. It's something that's always part of my children's lives and they have to be they're more aware of it than maybe other children their age because it has directly impacted me. Now, when mommy decides she's going to do a master's, what was the reaction? Um, I don't think they really knew what I was getting myself in for. I don't know if I really did either, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, I suppose like the, the children know and, and they've they've seen me like I've done other courses and things over the years um, and, and they know the importance of, of sort of furthering yourself and and continuing with you know whatever you want to do to to better yourself um so they they just took it in their stride at the time um and they were so good like uh, there were so many times over two-year course part-time um but i mean there was work over both summers and um a lot of things so they were so good in understanding when i had assignments and things to do that i just had to um i had to kind of lock myself away basically Mm. Um, your your philosophy of of life uh, to live uh, life to the full to live life as best you can to take what you've got to be accepting I suppose where do you think that came from? Uh, I mean, probably as well to, to do with how I was brought up. Um, you know, we were always encouraged to do what we wanted to do and and make opportunities in whatever way we could. Um, and I know I was just fifteen. When I lost my sight, but um, on the on the day that I was told that I would never see again, my mum and I were sitting talking then in their their hospital room after, and you know she was asking me how I felt about it, and um, I said I don't know, and she said you know Claire we have two ways to look at this, she says we can feel sorry for ourselves, and straight away I just said no because that wasn't in my nature, so that was sort of decision made that that we had to make the most of it and had to go on with it and I suppose as I've got older and more aware and you know see the impact that not only Oma had but you know other events have had on on people like I am so fortunate to still be here and to be able to do as much as I can um and we never know when life can change um and that's why I just always um live my life to the full as much as I can and and as I say, no regrets. Sharon has been on. She says, Claire is amazing. What I'm hearing is gratitude and acceptance. As a worrier myself, with nowhere near her challenges, it's something she's inspired me to work on. So thank you, Claire, <laughs> says Sharon. And Claire Bose, thank you very much for joining us on the programme today. You truly are an inspiration. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m on News Talk.